I love seeing the dads. Yeah. Watching the fathers who are not only just amazed, but most of the time, like, teary and like, oh, my God, that's, I made that. Like, it's, there's this prideful moment. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. Jamie Barr isn't just the lead singer and bassist for psychobilly trio Danger Cakes. She's also a superhero to hundreds of children in Austin, Texas. As executive director of Girls Rock Austin, Jamie helps pave the way for the next generation of female music makers. Visit our show notes for links to Jamie's music, YouTube videos, social media, and more. We'd like to thank the Inn at Newport Ranch for making this episode possible and supporting the Backstage Chats Foundation. Now, let's start the chat. Welcome to Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. This episode's special guest is a psychobilly-loving riot girl with the soul of a noir comic book character. But don't let that fool you. Her commitment to uplifting the next generation of female music makers guarantees her set of angel wings. Meet the lead singer, songwriter, and upright bass player of Danger Cakes, Jamie Barr. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, it's great to have another ATX girl here. And uh, we are actually in our studio today chatting instead of backstage, but that's okay. Um, we definitely want to get started off on the right foot, which of course always means the shakedown. These are a set of standard questions we ask all of our special guests, and I would love to start with that. Are you ready? I am indeed. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Who was your first concert? Well, my first big arena concert was the Goo Goo Dolls, Sugar Ray, and Austin's own Fastball. And um, it was very memorable because my mother, all five foot two of her, um, decided to take us into the pit. And yeah, I know, a pit at Fastball and Sugar Ray and Goo Goo Dolls, not something you would think of. But there was, <laughs> it definitely happened. And uh, we went into the pit and my mom was you know, very protective of us, but there was this one woman who kept coming over and she was kind of, well, very intoxicated and she was rubbing up against my mom and my mom would, you know, say like, excuse me, please, you know, 
this my family please <laughs> try to step away from her and the woman would be like oh honey you like it um this is also in upstate new york hence my accent and the following <laughs> characters um and then my mom asked her to you know kindly put out her cigarette because she was waving it above her heads and ash was going into her hair and the woman was like Ugh. and <laughs> but she did she complied and then she started yelling only like a minute later going who's got candy i want some beep candy <laughs> and my mother was prepared for a concert for these children and had a mini backpack because it was the 90s um <laughs> filled with snacks and little water bottles so she pulled out a bag of crispy m&ms and handed it to this woman in I'm guessing as an olive branch. And the woman looked at my mother and she said, you stupid old bitch. And my mother just looked at her and went, I'll cut you. I will cut you. And my friend and my sister and I just all, our jaws dropped. We're like, oh my gosh. Never had I ever seen my mother act so like just crazy in that moment but it was awesome it was one of those things where I'm like man my mom is a tough cookie and that woman just was like you're crazy you're crazy and my mom looked at us and she said it's not the fact that she called me a bitch it's that she said I was stupid and old (laughs) so I will always remember that because I always say is Mary Barr gonna have to cut a bitch anytime my mom gets a little frustrated with anything it's great Well, that would certainly make it a memorable concert. And thankfully, mom, you know, took the high road as long as she could. But when it came down to it, protect your babies, protect yourself, right? Exactly. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Next question. What was the first album you bought with your own money? Boys to Men, Coolie Bop High Harmony on cassette. God, if Boys to Men and En Vogue were together on the same bill, that would be like my childhood dream bill. (laughs) Okay. Well, and we'll ask, that's a little surprising because of the kind of music that you play, but we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Next question. Uh, Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Um, Well, I have an eclectic list of songs um, that I listen to. So I venture from the really old swing um, I love, you know, Benny Goodman and I, you know, Ella Fitzgerald is, you know, has always been one of my heroes. I, you know, started singing jazz because of her and um, she's still just, every time I listen to her, I feel like it moves me. Who else is new? I was just at the church's concert and I have been all about them now. Um, they were so much fun and they were wonderful to actually be part of the Girls Rock Austin experience and Girls Rock Camp Alliance, where they actually uh, donated a dollar from every single ticket to each Girls Rock Camp in the city that they were performing in. So, yeah, pretty great. Um, Let's see. I love Creep Show and Horror Pops. Um, A lot of lovely ladies and psychobilly bands. And locally, one of my favorite bands in Austin is Stretch Panic. They are this kind of pop punk um, femme group and they are just so much fun and you know, just gets you so like charged and ready for your day. Well, uh, audience, we have a number of names there for you to look up and get familiar with if you are not already. Thank you. That was great. Uh, next question. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? 
Does it count if she's a fictional character? Absolutely. Gem from Gem in the Holograms. <laughs> I know, I know. Kind of ridiculous. Um, but I had a Gem birthday party from the time I was like five to Fourteen? No, just kidding. It wasn't that old, um, but it was. There were a lot of Gem birthday parties, and I love Gem. I love the fact that she was not only a rock star, um, but she still maintained her like business side of things. You know, she was running a record label, and on top of it, she was still a do-gooder. She had the Starlight Foundation, which was her home, like basically a foster home, and you know, for homeless youth. And I just. I'm like, man, as I've grown up, I realized I have totally like aligned my career with Jim. Being from like going from playing in all of these bands throughout the years, um, I came to Texas from upstate New York in Kingston, the Woodstock area, um, and by playing um, with a band called Punk Blues Review, PBR. And they did punk rock versions of old blues songs. And up until that point, I had been a jazz singer um, and before that I did opera all through so I'm classically trained and I came down here and I fell in love I met my husband at my very first show um, during South by Southwest in 2009 on top of all of that I going back to my gem and the hologram comparison um, I have Sugar Skull Media um, which is my record label slash publishing firm uh, where we put out you know Danger Cakes albums as well as my husband's comic book series Halloween Man um, and then the side character uh, spinoff Dr. Lucy Chaplin Science Starlet and we'll talk a, a little bit more about <laughs> yeah. that in a second so uh, but I'm also the editor for that comic book um, and then you know I I was in a really bad car accident a few years ago and had a brain injury. So um, I used to drive to all of these students' house or homes and these shelters. And after that point, I, I needed to take a break from driving around Austin in this horrendous traffic we had. I had a pretty bad brain injury that causes a speech impediment. So I really have to concentrate on what I'm saying in order to not stutter sometimes. You know, I try to give myself a break. Um, but I was always, since I've been in Austin, I was in love with Girls Rock Austin, where I had been invited to perform at one of the uh, lunchtime performances for the camp and with Danger Cakes. And we were just in awe. I mean, it was amazing to see not only all of these kids together in one room, but this whole community of women coming together. And I mean, every type of woman is you know, just represented, you know, we have people of color and different religions and, you know, sexual orientations and gender identities. And it's so amazing that it's this overwhelming feeling. And, you know, I was just like, I'm hooked. Like I gotta, I gotta come back. And that was my first time being there. And then I started volunteering. Um, I volunteered every summer. Then I became president of the board and, you know, and now and now I'm executive director of Girls Rock Austin. So I think that I think between executive director of a nonprofit, a music slash publishing firm, and um, you know I'm in my band Danger Cakes, and then I'm also an upright bassist for an LGBTQ bluegrass Americana band called Brand New Key, and the upright bassist for a Irish punk band called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. So 
I think that's kind of gem-like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, to be honest, you are the first person who has quoted a cartoon character as their, <laughs> as their main influence. Um, next question. Uh, let's see here. If you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? steal a little page out of your book. And I'm going to say, I'm going to have a dinner party. One, because I love dinner parties. I throw them all the time. I love to cook. I earned the name Danger Cakes. I would bake a lot of cakes and have a wonderful tea party with Dolly Parton, uh, Janis Joplin, um, Ella Fitzgerald, of course. And of course, I'd, I'd ask Billie Holiday to come too. I don't know if she'd want to, but she'd. I'd hope she would make it. And maybe Amy Winehouse, um, because nobody parties like Amy. Um, And uh, she puts the danger in the cakes, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, last question. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? Well, I kind of, it's funny. I'm not a very competitive person. I'm, I love to cheer everyone on. So like competitive sports, definitely not my thing. Um, cause I would totally cheer for both sides, <laughs> but I have always wanted to win a Grammy. I know. Um, and it's funny because the type of music I perform is a little too niche to really be in the market. You don't hear of a lot of psychobilly <laughs> riot girl bands getting Grammys. Um, but it's one of those things where I've always wanted to do that. Um, and I'm in the process of starting my solo project, Jamie Barr and the Big Decisions. Um, and so, you know, maybe, just maybe that'll happen. From your lips to God's ears, as far as, you know, getting more women, more Riot Girls, Psychobilly, you know, like some hard rock and roll out there in the Grammy nominees, even if it's just a nomination. I would love to see more of it, especially in the rock category. It is very difficult for women to... Um, hit that level and and get that recognition. So I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, that's a great one. And um, I if the Academy allows me, I will vote for you. Well, thank you. <laughs> so flattered. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and continue our chat after this message. Backstage Chats Foundation would like to thank the Inn at Newport Ranch for supporting our mission to amplify the voices and careers of women in music. Located on the scenic ocean front of Mendocino County, California, the Inn at Newport Ranch was voted one of the 20 best hotels in the world by Andrew Harper's Hideaway Report. As a guest, you'll enjoy hiking and guided ATV tours through 2,000 acres of redwoods, horseback riding along 20 miles of world-class trails, trips to local wineries, and even whale watching. It's a nature lover's paradise for everything from executive retreats to small weddings. Learn more by visiting the inn at newportranch.com. Now, back to the chat. Well, now we're getting into, a, we're finished with the shakedown, everybody. So there we have it from Jamie Barr, who is with us today from the band Danger Cakes, as well as the executive director of Girls Rock Austin. And uh, we were just talking a little bit about women and getting their recognition as far as being, especially in being in the rock genre and how difficult it can be. And there are, proportionately speaking, there are very few all-female rock bands. And uh, you have formed a band, again, Danger Cakes, with Suna Wakeham. Did I say her name right? And (laughs) with Sarah Schiff. And I wanted to ask, how did that happen? How did the three of you get together? 
Well, actually, Sarah and Suna are only the most recent members of the band. Um, Danger Cakes was formed in 2010, and we started out as a seven-piece band. Um, we were billing ourselves as the all-girl, um, like the Rye Girl um, big band orchestra type thing, um, but we were very, you know, rocking. But it was also interesting to have like a tuba and a bear. We had a baritone mandolin. Um, that was Drew Hayes, uh, who's actually in the in Giddy Up Go now. Um, she's wonderful. She also plays upright bass too. So we're still great friends. And she just played our Girls Rock uh, Austin Mama Slade Tea Party Extravaganza. Um, so, um, but yeah, we had a, a really big band, and you know, women have come in and come out. Um, I'm just always really made sure that only women or people who identified as, as female um, were a part of this band. You know, I'm fine with playing in other bands with men and whomever else, but I wanted Danger Cake specifically to be an all-female group just because there's no, there's not that many out there. And, you know, we really have to push harder to have more representation. And I think, you know, it's hard for women in general because there's so much expected of us. Uh, you know, you're expected to finish school and go to college and get a degree. And then from there, even if you you know do that or don't do that, you go on to a career and then you're expected to marry and have a baby or five or whatnot. And, you know, but still keep everything going and then be in a band. It's really difficult. So a lot of women have to ch- make that choice of, you know, okay, am I going to have a family or am I going to have a family of musicians? <laughs> um, and it's interesting because I do not cue people to talk about this decision that it seems women are forced to make. And yet a number of women that I've interviewed bring that up as something that they have to contend with as far as making a choice between music as a career and raising a family. And I think it's very interesting because men don't bring that up as a choice when speaking to the press or, or whoever else. So it's certainly, it's just a testament. I just wanted to point it out to the audience that it's amazing how often this comes up as an issue. Well, I always think about the few female Fronter bands or female, all female bands that I know, um, just mainly locally, like, uh, you know, Kathy Valentine's The Blue Bonnets and um, Lauren, um, last name's escaping me at the moment, um, Ume, um, you know, these women have children. Um, you know, Chris Nine is another one. She's in a bajillion bands and she's one of the most talented musicians I know. But she's also has a child and a great career on top of that. And, you know, the family life, but it's still like making a go of it. And I just have such admiration for these women to be able to do all of this and, you know, not have any bald spots from tearing their hair out. Um, (laughs) Not having an anxiety attack every hour. Exactly. And, you know, I think about how frustrating it is to me that, you know, I would love to just be a band, (laughs) you know, we're an all girl band. Someone has to describe our genitalia in order to describe our band. You never hear people saying, oh, that all-male band, like Guns N' Roses, or, you know, you hear, like, boy bands, but those aren't actually bands. They're groups. And But it's still, like, 
there's no reason to just have us that way, except for the fact that we're not represented. So until it becomes like a normal thing and people aren't like, oh my gosh, an all-girl band. Wow, you never see that. We're going to have to be called an all-girl band. So, you know, we'll wear our, our badge of honor and be proud. That's so. right. Proud indeed. Uh, you're, so we talked about family and the many times that's a planned decision, but sometimes unplanned things happen. Um, for example, your three-song EP Gloomy Girl was released after you had a serious accident in Paris ending a tour that Danger Cakes was doing. And I wanted to find out what exactly happened in Paris. <laughs> well, um, it was up to that point had been an amazing like trip. It was our first tour out of the United States. Um, we've toured almost every state in the continental U.S., but um, had, hadn't had hopped the pond. And then, um, you know, I did a solo gig in Paris. And then uh, Sarah and Suna met up with me in Spain, and we toured through Andalusia um, at the Pueblos Blancos Music Festival. And before we left to come back to New York, we had, were going to fly out of Paris so we could have, a, you know, another day or two there. And so... We arrived in Paris and had a wonderful day filled with, like, macarons and, you know, crepes and every wonderful French thing you can imagine. And uh, actually, I think went and saw, um, like, Jim Morrison's, uh, you know, grave and everybody. Very defaced grave. Yeah. And Oscar Wilde. We were on our way from our Airbnb to the airport and we got on the train and it was rush hour and, you know, I thought we had enough time. So we were kind of just leisurely getting there and I had all of my bags and, uh, you know, we were at this one stop and suddenly it was like an influx of people and standing room only. And man, I would have, I felt like I was back in New York. Like the, it was just, this train was just so cramped. And this man, um, at the next stop tried to get off and didn't, you know, say, excuse me, or pardon or anything like that. He just pushed through me and Sarah and another woman and he hooked onto my carry on bag. And so, um, I said I had had that car accident. Um, so my left side, um, was the side that was injured and I, I have some weakness, um, in my left hand. And so I was holding on with my left hand to the railing. Um, and he pushed through, hooked on my bag and I was trying to not let the bag go. And he pulled the bag out and literally kind of shoved past me and another woman. And we both fell out of the train and it, was just starting to move again and like they stopped the train but my foot um had actually gotten caught in between the train and the platform like everyone fears oh. <laughs> yeah oh. um and I broke my right like phalange um in my foot you know right basically my pinky toe like bones multiple got back up jumped back in the train and just was like oh gosh oh gosh Okay. And from there, show no weakness. Yeah. And, you know, was heavily breathing, trying to just like make it through to the next, you know, to our, our stop and at the airport. So then we get to uh, Charles de Guy and I get out of train and we realize like, 
you know, they're, the security lines are ridiculously long and we start trying to, we get through and, you know, realize we're like super close to missing our flight. So we have to run and I'm like hobbling with my bags and, you know, running on a broken foot and we get to the gate and they had just closed it. And they were like, sorry, we're not going to let you on. And I was like, please. I was like, I just broke my foot. And I knew it was broken. I mean, it was colors. And they said, "Um, well, we're just going to send you to the medic then. So I went to the medic and they gave me some glorious French painkillers. We finally got back to Austin and I was exhausted, but I went to the doctor immediately and they were like, yep, your foot's broken. They put me in like a soft cast. They gave me more painkillers, but I'm really sensitive to things. I try not to take stuff like that. So I took Vicodin and I immediately didn't really feel very well. So I call the doctor because I started getting this crazy rash and uh, I was like, it's only on the one side of my body though. It's, you know, and they were like, you need to come in right now. And I was like, okay. And I get in there and they're like, you have shingles. (laughs) So I was like, oh my gosh. Um, So wait, so a a song came out of this entire incident. The bruised blues. Not just about, you know, my breaking in Paris, but I am just a pretty accident-prone person. Uh, the very first line of the song is like, I broke both my ankles falling down one stair. True story. And it's like, <laughs> I, I no longer wear stilettos, especially uh, uh, in the winter. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have a link to that song uh, in our show notes so that everybody can enjoy it. I wanted to touch on a fun fact You are the muse for a comic book character, and you mentioned a little bit about this earlier, and I would love it if you could tell the audience who the character is and what makes her unique. Well, um, my husband has uh, Halloween Man, uh, which is his comic book he's been doing for the last 20 years. He actually just uh, received the Best of Austin uh, Best Comic Creator Award for 2018, and Lucy Chaplin has been around longer than we've known each other, but she started out looking very thin and what I would call a a skinny glink. Um, You know, she looked like every other comic book character out there, you know, and, uh, but my husband said he had always envisioned her as a very full figured woman, like an Amazon. And, you know, as when we got together, um, his friends who were also artists on the comics, um, I noticed started drawing this character, to look more and more like me, like her eyes changed. She'd also started wearing my clothes. Um, (laughs) Like her costumes in the book were like my dresses. And I called him out on it. I was like, is that my dress? And he was like, oh yeah, I I used it for inspiration. And then, you know, because I was a little weirded out by the idea of a character 
like looking like me. And, uh, but you know, I, I've come to really understand the, uh, is it life imitating art or art imitating life because of this book. And, uh, now Lucy has become a pretty big character. Everyone loves her. She's this, she's actually the, uh, smartest person in the world she's also like a power lifter and a like a mad scientist and she's just awesome she's like just a great role model for girls and in the comic she actually became a full-figured woman in one of the issues called eye of the beholder um so if you know if you're looking for a good place to start with the lucy chaplin series i recommend that one to start i know it's definitely a little strange at but I've gotten used to it, and now I'll even cosplay for my husband. <laughs> you know, I say for my husband at conventions. It's not just, you know. I kind of like that. That's kind of fun. And, you know, and here's what I think this is a really good lesson that women of all ages can take away is that um, to embrace who we are physically, mentally, spiritually, because being just like everybody else isn't going to do a whole lot for you. Being yourself and surrounding yourself with people who appreciate that, um, I think is a huge part of happiness. And um, especially as we get older, a lot of people think that a lot of these body image issues go away and they don't. I appreciate that you shared that story with us because it just, once again, says, you know, love who you are and surround yourself with people who love you for who you are. And yay, next thing you know, you're a comic book queen. Yeah. And I feel like it's funny because it, everything ties back into Girls Rock. Um, you know, I, I was saying before about Sarah and Suna. I had met them, both of them, through Girls Rock Austin. You know, we became friends. And when the opportunity came for, you know, I was like, oh, I need new, a few new musicians. I need another guitarist and another drummer. Um, they were both thrilled to kind of, you know, take that opportunity. And I think about the comic and how you know, everyone envisions Lucy as, you know, she's not the normal, well, actually she pretty much is the normal standard of body type of an American woman, but, you know, not what's represented in the, in the media mostly. So the thing with Girls Rock is that we always want you to be the best version of yourself. And it's not the best version of what other people expect of you. It's what you think of as being the best version of yourself. Um, you know, your ideas matter and you need to be able to feel that confidence to convey those ideas because there's, they're worth hearing, they're worth sharing. Um, and that's a big reason why I'm so dedicated to Girls Rock Austin. Um, well, they are lucky to have you. And I just want to let our audience know that uh, Backstage Chats Foundation, which produces this podcast, Backstage Chats with Women in Music, uh, we are raising funds to create a scholarship grant for Girls Rock Austin because we totally believe in what your group is doing and we're very excited about it and can't wait to see all of this in action when we hit this in 2020. But I would like to end our interview with a story that really touched me that you had shared about a young girl who was a refugee who came into the Girls Rock Austin summer camp. This was a girl who obviously had had a very tough start in life, and she was very quiet and almost a little wallflower. Would you please share what happened when she arrived at the summer camp? 
Well, this was several years ago, and uh, you know, she had come from Mexico, and her family was actually getting their citizenship the same day as our showcase um, that Saturday. So the very and that was the only thing she kept talking about, and you know, her English was pretty good, but she was still having like confidence issues. So she was extremely quiet. She just really, you know, had a very beautiful voice, but it was so tiny. You know, she would just hold, you know, her lips would like curl around the words so they just wouldn't come out of her mouth. And then after class, she told me she wanted to try to sing at the Girls Rock open mic that we have on the Friday of camp. And so she started practicing with me and, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll accompany you. Like, I think you should totally do this. And she was like, really? I think I will sound okay. I'm really nervous. And you know, she was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And, you know, we practiced and she sounded lovely, but so quiet. And then Friday came around and, you know, she had really kind of made some friends and was getting more like excited and, you know, was taking chances in her band. And, uh, she did the camper open mic night or open mic, night, open mic afternoon. And, you know, she started singing and, you know, the big part, like, I want to hold your, and then she just suddenly let out this like, hand, and it filled the Trinity United Methodist Church. I mean, it was a holy experience. Everyone had goosebumps. And I mean, she just made probably a good 25 people cry because we had all seen her all week. So, you know, quiet and uh, just so reserved in what she, you know, she was willing to express. And then by the end of the week, you know, she's laughing and she's cracking jokes and, you know, she's filling these rooms with her voice and, you know, her mother at the showcase, um, they had just come from getting, you know, their citizenship papers signed and, uh, you know, she was just ecstatic and she, the mother said, what did you do to my daughter? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, she's a different person. She's diff- so different in the, in the best way possible. And I just, like, she gave me this big hug and she cried on me. And I was just like, oh, I love it. I mean, that's one of the things, especially at the actual showcase when the, you know, the campers are rocking out and they're throwing their guitars behind their head. Right. You know, maybe these girls have never played guitar before. And, and in one week they're, you know, Throwing them behind their head. They're a rock star. Exactly. You know, they're dropping on their knees, playing and sliding across stage because they've suddenly got this, you know, new chutzpah to go do these things. And, you know, I'm, it's amazing. And what I love is not just the fact that the moms are just like, yes, look at my daughter. And they're, you know, every woman's always like, God, why didn't they have girls rock camp when I was a kid? But I love seeing the dads. Yeah. Watching the fathers who are not only just amazed, but most of the time like teary and like, oh my God, oh my, that's, I made that. Like it's, there's this prideful moment and you don't always see that with fathers and daughters. So it's just amazing. It is a testament to how A, music unites and B, how it can give confidence and and one of our things that we always say is unleashing your inner rock star. And clearly with this little girl, that happened. And this is the reason why we at Backstage Chats Foundation support your cause because we see all of the positive changes and 
movement forward that it can make for girls or, uh, you know, the gay and lesbian community, those who are transitioning, whatever it may be. And um, so I just want to say thank you for being the champion of these uh, young ladies and uh, sharing their music with us. In fact, in our show notes, we are going to have posted the Girls Rock Rock Austin video link as well as a song so that everybody can listen to some of the amazing art that these girls are creating in a very short period of time at a young age. It's a really catchy punk rock song. You're going to have it stuck in your head for like maybe ever. (laughs) See, and there you have it. So I I just want to say thank you so much for coming to the show today, Jamie. We are thrilled to have you and can't wait to hear more from you and uh, Danger Cakes. We will have social media links in our show notes and make sure that everybody can get to you. And uh, and back to our audience, folks, you know, we say this at the end of every episode. Why do we love these ladies so much? Because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock stars. Have a great day. That wraps up another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today. This episode was produced by Alison Holly.